Welcome back, everybody. We are. I'm super excited this morning because we're doing something we have never done before, Monica, mm-hmm. and that is that Darren Pratt isn't able to join us for his usual Family Matters segment, and so we thought, well, what will we do with that extra time? And we still have Daniel on the phone, Daniel Renault, with uh, talking about his book Anzac Spirituality: The First AIF Soldiers Speak. Yes, I'm very excited about it as well because it's such an interesting interview. I like. I just want to go out and buy this book right now and read it. <laughs> Daniel, I have a question for you. Um, yes. One of the things that's always fascinated me is the difference between you know our heroes here in Australia um, as compared to other heroes um, overseas. And we were talking about Simpson um, and his donkey and how that he was you know he was made into a hero. You were talking about how that uh, the chaplain Mackenzie is the is the person who is most often mentioned by other Anzacs when they're writing their diaries. Why is it that as Australians, we often tend to make heroes out of, you know, the lower ranks, whereas, say, in the United States, you know, you would have, you know, MacArthur or Lee or Patton or someone like that, whereas most the average Aussies probably never heard of, um, you know, Blamey or Birdwood or, you know, some of these other uh, generals. Why, why do we do that here in Australia? Uh, well, I think history accounts for that too. Um, we, we started as a, as a country uh, founded by people who didn't want to come here. And uh, they weren't about to lionise the the authorities that that sent them here. They they preferred to lionise their own kind, and we've kind of built that into the national culture of championing the underdog. So our heroes have been convicts and bushrangers, and you know uh, the battler settlers, the the not the squatters, but the selectors who you know feature in the Henry Lawson short stories. And, of course, the Anzacs, um, who kind of bring all of our national myths together, which is why it's now our leading national narrative that kind of defines who Australians are. Sure, yeah. And, of course, in, in that whole mix, why was it that Mackenzie, who was, you know, as you say, mentioned by the, uh, by the Anzac soldiers more than any other um, individual, any other person... Why did he never come to the front to be lionised as a great hero of the war? I mean, until you wrote your book about him, I'd never, I'd never heard of him before. Mm. Yeah, well, look, he's the he's the most famous Anzac amongst the Anzacs, but and, and, me, and, and unheard of amongst the rest of and, Australians. Yes, yes, but tell me, how do you make a national legend of a soldier who never fired a gun? who was aggressively evangelistic, who preached against booze, betting brothels and bad language. Um, How do you turn him into the ideal Aussie soldier? You don't. Hmm. And and because we've we've not wanted our national narrative to involve religion in case people got their hackles up, Mm -hmm. we we just went silent on him. And the other factor is uh, he lived till 1947, it's much harder to turn a living person into a legend than a dead one. I mean, Simpson was ideal. He was dead. You could make up anything you liked about him. He had no family in Australia. He was actually an Englishman. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you could invent whatever you like. It didn't matter. But Mackenzie came home. He, he had a very productive and influential life at, uh, in charge of the Salvation Army in Australia. He was, um, you know, he, he was mobbed at any reunion of Anzacs. People would travel, you know, hundreds of kilometres just to be with wow. him. So during his lifetime, he was a legend. 
It kind of makes you wonder how many other unsung heroes there are that didn't, you know, that didn't get some sort of recognition in the Australian public, but are heroes, you know, in their own crowd. Yeah, well, I guess one of the reasons I've written this book is because there are stories we don't tell ourselves for various reasons. And one of the stories we don't tell ourselves is how deeply engaged with spirituality the Anzacs were. Mm. And I thought instead of arguing with other historians, I would simply grab quotes from the diaries and the letters of soldiers, and I've organised them thematically in the book. I mean, you can dive into the book at any chapter you like. It's not the kind of book you have to start at the beginning and read through. Okay. But... So I'm allowed to start this one from the end. (laughs) (laughs) The reason I've called it the first AIF soldiers speak is because I want their voice to be heard, Mm. not mine. If you want to argue that the Anzacs weren't interested in religion or spirituality, then you're going to have to argue with the actual words of soldiers Mm. who've who've written about what they think and believe. And by the way, I I haven't culled just the quotes in favour of them. I have tried to deal honestly with whole spectrum of responses to religion and there were uh, you know many negatives but what's blown me away and and totally surprised me was how frequently they spoke positively about religion yeah sure well your phone's going a little bit fuzzy there um so we're just going to quickly ask you where can we get a hold of this book well you can get it at any good bookshop mm-hmm. uh, they may not have it in stock yet it's just come out but if you ask for it by name and mention the publisher australian scholarly publishing they should be able to get it kurong bookshops uh adventist book centers better books and food these places should be uh you should be able to pick up the book there can i jump online somewhere and get a hold of this book uh, yes, if you um, go to Australian Scholarly Publishing, you should be able to buy it there. And tell me again the name of the book. Anzac Spirituality, The First AIF Soldiers Speak. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Yeah, and thank you for coming on and joining us for a uh, an extra period of the show today. It was a, a little bit unexpected for both of us, but um, so many so many good questions there that... Um, In our last 30 seconds, I just want to know, what's your favourite chapter? Oh, that's really hard. That's really hard. Probably, probably the second chapter where I talk about compulsory church services because that's the bit of religion they hated the most, being forced to go to church. Oh, what struck me, what struck me was that the positive comments outnumber the negatives two to one. Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. We really appreciate that. We're now going to have another You're song welcome. break and then we're back with our Bible study. This is Fernando Ortega, Open My Lips. Open My Lips. I will sing your praise forever Open my lips, O Lord I will sing your praise forever Oh, 
Welcome back. You are listening to Faith FM Australia, 87.6, 87.8 and 88 FM. Do you know what I liked so much about um, our previous guest there, Daniel's uh, little uh, story about his book, Lyle? What was that? I liked that he he heard from another historian who had apparently read A Thousand Diaries of a Thousand Soldiers and had said that there was no mention of religion. I liked the way that Daniel said, thought to himself, do you know what? doesn't sound quite right i'm gonna check that out for myself i love people who check stuff out for themselves who don't just take someone else's word absolutely and anything that we present here on faith fm in the breakfast show you need to go and check out for yourself particularly the bible study particularly our encounter with god section because you know when somebody is teaching the bible it's great to sit there and listen and go wow that's a fantastic thought Mm -hmm. i never thought of that before i never knew that before i'm learning something new here but unless you check it out for yourself, you don't really know. It's so important that, you know, this is one of the biggest problems with Christianity today is that we all sit in our church pews and we nod our heads to whatever the preacher says up mm-hmm. the front and we don't go and check them out for ourselves. We and that don't way know we, it for ourselves yeah, at all. You could be believing any kind of foolishness just because you're not reading the Bible for yourself. And it's a good, you know, it's a good thing Daniel did go and check up on that historian because as you can see, he found a completely different truth and turned it into a book that we can now read. And I love the way that uh, he's like, well, you know, I'm not going to argue with any historians. I'm just going to publish what the Anzacs themselves wrote. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, yeah. you want to argue? Argue with the Anzacs. You know, exactly. you're going to present a uh, an alternative view of history? Then fine, go ahead. But this is not what actually happened. Here's, here's the record written down for us right there. So that's, um, yeah. It's a just, great book and it's a great life lesson. But I Lyle, can't wait to get my hands on a copy. Before we jump into our study, our encounter with God today, Lyle, yeah. let me give you another clue for our quiz. Oh, the quiz, the quiz, the quiz, okay. the quiz. What city am I? Clue one you was... You are not a city, Monica. Well, Just in you know, case you were wondering. If I keep eating you chocolate, I will be person. the size of a city. <laughs> <laughs> okay. A long way to go. Clue number one. At a synagogue in this city, Jesus read, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. Clue number two. The people of this city tried to throw Jesus off a cliff. Clue number three. God sent Gabriel to this city. And our newest clue, clue number four, says, This was where men... Mary lived when she found out she would give birth to the Son of God. Okay, so if you know the answer, give us a call 1-800-324-843 or text us on 0491-064-669 or shoot us a message on Facebook and we have the book America in Prophecy coming your way in answer to the correct, by by giving the correct answer to the quiz. Alrighty, we are in the book of Galatians, I guess. Uh, what makes you think that, Mom? <laughs> We've been in there all, a while now, and we're only like halfway through. It's such a great condensed book. See, we, we, we feel, I feel like we're doing a verse a day, you know. But you know what? There's so much in here. You really could. We, uh, we spent, what, half an hour yesterday on one verse or two verses. But that's the good thing about the Bible. There's just so much in it. You can spend your whole life studying and restudying, and there's always something new. I love right, it. So what are we, what are we studying today? I think we are... Are we still in chapter three? Do you know, I really liked what I learned yesterday. I did not know that Romans is an expanded version, so to speak, of Galatians. I didn't know that. There you go. Yeah, learn something new every day. If you're ever struggling with Galatians, just go and read Romans because... It uh, yeah gives you much more information, but if you want the condensed version, it's like okay, just give it to me straight. Give me the you know the super condensed version and, and straight and, and, no chaser. And I think this is one of the reasons why we're spending you know significant time on each verse is because uh-huh. it's so condensed. There's a lot to unpack. It's a full pack suitcase. It's not the watered down version. Mm-hmm. 
and, uh, and, and and so that's why yeah one of the reasons why we are um, spending time with it okay so Galatians chapter 3 and verse 23 is where we are up to and we're going to talk about being under the law uh, uh, uh. do you want me to read that out for you yes Galatians three twenty three says before the way of faith in Christ was available to us we were placed under guard by the law we were kept in protective custody, so to speak, until the way of faith was revealed. Mm. Protective custody? That's an interesting translation. What on earth? Let me read it to you from my translation. Mm-hmm. This is the old KJ. Okay. I, 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 I love that version. I know. It's my favorite. It's a, I tell you what, for Galatians, it's pretty hard going. Okay. <laughs> it's pretty hard going in the KJV, but it's got great poetic language. It says, but before faith came, we were kept under the law. Shut up under the faith, which should afterward be revealed. Mm. Okay, so let's maybe a little bit less interpretive and a, a little bit uh, more literal to the um, to the original right there. But the Bible says, before faith came, we were kept under the law. So when did faith come? Did Abraham not have faith? Is it speaking about like a personified faith? version of faith, like the coming of Jesus, I don't know, something like that maybe? Well, it could be, but let me just think about this. Did, did, did Abraham have faith? Yes. Did Moses have faith? Yes. Did Noah have faith? Uh-huh. Did Jephthah have faith? Who? <laughs> <laughs> Weren't you going to stick me in a cage today and try and trap me, trap me today? Oh, I was, I was, I was. Yes, it's going to happen. Um, it's great. In the next section. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yes, all these people had faith. In fact, I think most of them were in the uh, in the Hebrews Hall of Fame faithers. Including Jephthah. Inclu- including this man slash woman, not sure what they are. <laughs> man. Man. <clears throat> okay, so they're all included as being men and women mm-hmm. of great faith. So faith has always been there. There's never been a time where there was law and no faith. Okay. That's the important thing that we need to because you know you once again you get this whole dispensational view like oh you know they had the dispensation of law and then you had dispensation of faith and grace and we're under the dispensation of faith and grace and in the Old Testament they're under the dispensation of law and in the Old Testament they had to keep the law and now we live by faith and you know Paul writes a whole chapter in the book of Hebrews to discount that idea he's like no it's always been by faith let me share with you the great heroes of faith just a small sample and he works his way through them all one after the other after the other after the other so we've got that whole chapter there to show us that no it's always been faith so when is so faith has always been there right yeah so when was it revealed because it says the way of faith was revealed it's talking about the way of faith or just faith revealed okay good point good question let me ask you this question mon mm-hmm before you became a Christian mm-hmm. and before you gave your heart to God, mm-hmm. did you have faith? Oh, that's hard. Wouldn't the question be, what was that I had faith in? Okay, so what did you have faith in? I might have had misguided faith, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't have had faith and, in Jesus. And, okay, so you didn't have faith in Jesus. So your misguided faith, the misguided faith that you had before you met Jesus, how much benefit was it to you to making your life better? Zero. <laughs> that right now <laughs> zero benefits okay so I'm, I'm assuming that like myself before Christ you had some circumstances where you kind of messed up your life oh absolutely having faith in yourself and in money and in you know your education and this kind of stuff just doesn't really get you anywhere yeah it's a complete waste of time and we've all been there and we've all experienced it and that is why we place our faith in Jesus Christ now and that's the best place that you can place your faith 
You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. So what changed when you met Jesus? Well, I mean, I placed my faith in him instead, which is like a, it's like the safest bank ever to, mm-hmm. you know, deposit your faith in, so to speak. And how did that then change your relationship to the law of God? So let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. Before you had faith in Jesus, what was your relationship to the law of God? As in like the Ten Commandments? Yeah. I mean, the Ten Commandments is very simple, but it's really overarching because any sin that there is mm-hmm. um, fits somewhere into at least one of the Ten Commandments, if not a whole bunch of them. Look, I've got to be honest with you, before I placed my faith in Jesus, the Ten Commandments didn't really feature much in my brain. Okay, so they didn't feature much in your brain, so no. how well were you going at keeping the Ten Commandments? Oh, I mean, if it was convenient and it just happened naturally, then fine, but it wasn't like I went out of my way to keep them, you know. So, in other words, you're breaking him a fair bit. Yes. Yeah, yeah. okay. So, uh, me too. I think all of us are in the same boat. Before you meet Christ, we are pretty effective at breaking God's law. Yeah, and I think I think what I just said there is often the story of most people who don't necessarily believe in Jesus. It's not like they're out there trying to actively break their way through all the Ten Commandments. It's just, it's a matter of convenience. Do you know what? It's not convenient for me to tell the truth right now, so I'm not going to. Do you know what? It's not convenient for me right now to, you know, um, go to church on the Sabbath, so I'm not going to, like... It's just, it's a lackadaisical conveniency. Sure, sure. Okay, so, and and, and of course that results in then breaking the law of God. The Bible says um, that, um, I'm I'm just trying to remember the verse, 1 John chapter 3 and verse 4, sin is the breaking of the law of God. So you were a sinner. Mm, Absolutely. In need of a saviour. In need of Jesus Christ. So, Before faith came, before faith in Jesus came, because that's the kind of faith that Paul is talking about here, you were a sinner who was breaking the law of God. Mm -hmm. Once faith comes, how does that change? Well, you become aware of the Ten Commandments, and sure. uh, and because you become aware of sin, yeah, and because you love Jesus, you you want to keep the Ten Commandments. Okay, so it changes, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Now, before you had faith in Jesus, did you really have power? Like, if you like, yeah, you know what, I'm I'm just going to become a moral person by myself, no. and I'm going to keep the Ten Commandments. Look, you can white knuckle it for a while, and some of us can white knuckle it for a long time, but yeah, I don't have that power. <laughs> Did it change when you met Jesus? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's, he's, I like to tell people he's, uh, if you're an appliance and you need power, you've got to plug into the source of power. And he's definitely the source of power sure. you should plug into. So we have no, when, when there's no faith, we have no power to keep the law of God. So therefore, we are under the law. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Because the law is condemning us. The law is saying you're a sinner. You are in need of a savior. You are condemned to death. That's, what, that's all the law does. It's, it's, it's solve. Purpose and function is to tell us that we are sinners condemned to death in need of a saviour. Mm, absolutely. In other words, to point us to Jesus Christ. And there's often a period where people, you know, they have their conversion experience. They decide they want to follow Jesus. But, you know, they love him and they want to keep his law. And they're like, Lord, I'm going to keep the Ten Commandments for you. I'll do it for you. You know, and they don't realize you can't do it on your own strength. You need to let the Lord through you work that power. So when faith comes then mm. and you place your faith in Jesus Christ, what happened to all of those all of that condemnation that was on you for having broken God's law? Well, Jesus paid the price for all that, so I didn't need to deal with that guilt, you know, long term. Mm-hmm. I often felt guilty if I stuffed up, mm-hmm. but you can take it to the Lord in prayer and you can leave it there. 
And was that a freeing experience for you? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's it's a, it's amazing. You know, people often think that uh, becoming a Christian, you get this sort of constant state of ecstasy. You're always just overjoyed and happy, and uh, which isn't always true. I mean, today I'm a, I'm a little bit sad because of what's happening on YouTube. Uh, there, the shooting in America, what's happening with the, the Sydney Harbour Bridge. But the difference is these occurrences and any even more personal occurrences, they don't make me depressed because I have like an underlying current of joy. Mm. It doesn't always have these spikes of ecstasy. It's just underlying constant happiness knowing that my um, my sins are forgiven in Jesus and that my eternal life is assured. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so when faith comes then, you've got this, you know, you've got a whole list of sins that you've committed through your mm. whole life mm-hmm. you are under the law the law is condemning you the law is saying you're a you're a sinner um, you are deserving of death and then faith comes you place your faith in Jesus Christ you confess your sins and he is faithful and just and he does what forgives us our sins he forgives you of your sins those are all cleansed they are wiped away and you come out from being under the law and now you're under grace mm-hmm it's You're a great. Free. It's it's a freeing experience, and you know one of the greatest causes of uh, mental illness and depression in our world mm. right now is guilt. Absolutely, absolutely. And the Bible says that God wants to take away our guilt. Mm-hmm. He wants to free us from that sense of guilt. And if you've never experienced that freedom from guilt, you've never experienced Jesus Christ. You've never experienced, you know, what God is all about. You know, there was a famous doctor who famously said that if he could convince his patients that they were free from guilt and that they were forgiven, if he could convince them that they were forgiven and that they were free, that so many mental problems would not exist. Have you ever done something wrong and you've asked God for forgiveness for it and still felt guilty afterwards? Yeah, and I think there's there's plenty of sins that I've given to Jesus that he's dealt with that I've gone and, you know, resurrected on him and, and buried, you know, he's buried them and I've gone and dug them back up again, brought back to him. You know, <laughs> someone told me a story once about um, a family, you know, uh, they live next door to a gentleman. The gentleman accidentally hit their dog with a car. And the dog died and uh, and he brought the dog to them, you know, tears streaming down his face. So, so sorry that he killed their family pet. And they're like, okay, you know, we'll have a little service and we'll bury the dog. So they bury the dog in the backyard. Next morning, knock on the door. Gentleman's at their door. He's got the dog that they buried the day before in his arms, covered in dirt. He's crying and saying, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I hit your dog yesterday and killed him. And they're like, yeah, we know we buried him. So they go and they bury him again. Next day, Jennifer knocks on the door with this dog he's dug up for the third time. And, you know, it goes on and on. It really makes me understand when Jesus deals with our sin, he deals with it. We don't need to go digging up our old past sins and begging for forgiveness again and again and again. We need to just trust in the God and trust in God that he has forgiven our sins and that we can move on free. Yeah, and the more we hang on to them, the I more they stink. Your substance yet unformed Knew your days before you were born Love from ages past I've sworn I hold you in my care My thoughts towards you are deep and vast More countless than the ocean sands From your first cry to your last breath I will lay my hand upon you I will go 
That was Matt Minicus and Josie Minicus with Psalms 139 here on Faith FM. And we do have this developing story coming through from the United States with the YouTube headquarters um, spree shooting taking place. It does seem that this is a developing story. And so we've got various reports coming through. The latest report is that a female shooter has been found dead as a result of a self-inflicted wound. And according to this news report, we have four other people that are in hospital, one of them in critical condition. Although there is one other report of somebody who's passed away. So it's just too early yet to know what has uh, mm. really transpired there. And in our own backyard here in, uh, in Sydney on the Harbour Bridge, police are still trying to get a man who's climbed up the Harbour Bridge um, to uh, come back down. So apparently he's sitting in the steel cage and he's just wearing some headphones and uh, the police um, have sh- closed down the, um, the lanes on the bridge and they're still working to get him back down. So keep him in prayer. Not sure what's happened there, what's happening with him and with his life, um, but definitely say a prayer, send up a prayer to um, our father who is always listening. Um, that you know, one of our brothers, because you know we're all humans, mm-hmm. we're all brothers and oh, yeah. sisters, and we need to think of him as a brother and uh, and keep him in prayer. And particularly if you are stuck in that traffic jam down there, which must be a nightmare, then uh, it gives you opportunity to spend some time in prayer, to listen to Faith FM, and to study your Bible, mm. which Make we are doing right now. Useful, absolutely. Okay, so we were talking, what were we talking about? We were talking about digging up past sins, weren't mm-hmm. we, and how that uh, you told a story, uh, uh, and I'm hoping it was a parable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of somebody who you know, killed the neighbor's dog and then kept digging it up and apologizing. Mm. And it really helped me when I was a young Christian to understand how forgiveness works. You know, when Jesus deals with our sins, he doesn't want us to go digging them up again. It's, it's almost an act of faithlessness mm-hmm. that we don't believe that he's dealt with them properly much the so. first time. Very so, much so. Yeah, and the more, like, like you said, the more we keep digging them things up, the stinkier they get. Yep. So, yeah, just got to leave them in the Lord's hands. That's right. Because he forgets about them. Why should we remember them? Mm. The Bible says, I will forget you. I will not remember their sins anymore. And if God chooses to forget something, whatever God chooses to do and he does is done 100%. And if God chooses to forget your sins, then he has done that 100% so that he can't even remember it ever again. Mm. So in, in in this whole context, let me ask you about this one. Then you know, we're talking about sin and and what is sin and and uh, you come from a German background. Jawohl. <laughs> Are you about to trap me? Is this what this is now? <laughs> Let's say that you were living in Germany during the Second World War. Okay. And you had some Jewish people that came to your home looking for asylum. What would you do? I would definitely give them asylum. And if they were, let's say, you know, hiding in a secret place that you had built in your basement um, under your kitchen floor or something like that Mm -hmm. and um, some SS officers came in and said are you hiding Jews what would you say Oh, you got me there, haven't you, Lyle? <laughs> do I break the law and lie, uh, lie or do I sacrifice life? Um, that is truly difficult. <sighs> My first instinct would be to lie, wouldn't it? I probably would lie. I could be totally honest. 
It's an interesting question, and hypotheticals like this are not particularly useful. Mm. But I did say I was going to trap you today. Yeah, you got me good. I thought I was going, <laughs> ah, he couldn't possibly trap me. What would you do? So I'll give you two different scenarios. Mm-hmm. Um, you can read the story of John Wiedner, who was a, um, a Seventh-day Adventist living in France, in occupied France, um, who ran what was called the Dutch Paris um, escape route uh-huh. for uh, Jewish people. And I think he rescued like, you know, a thousand people through that route. And he had lots of people who were working for him and was on numbers of occasions caught by the Gestapo and, you know, beaten and tortured and so forth and uh, and told lies to protect the lives of people. Mm-hmm. You've got another story told by Corrie ten Boom, whose sister was one of these people who was just like, no, I will never lie under any circumstances. And when the Gestapo came in and said, where are the Jews? And the Jews were literally hiding in the basement, under the trapdoor, under the kitchen table. Mm-hmm. She said, they're under the table. And what happened to them? Well, the Gestapo backed up with his schmeiser and lifted the tablecloth to look under the table and saw nothing and felt rather silly and moved on. Wow. I've got a question for you now, Lyle. If you were in Germany <laughs> no, 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 and no, no. you were a Jew seeking asylum and you had two options, you had a home where they would give you asylum, but they warned you that if they were asked, they would tell the truth about where you were hiding or the other home where they would also grant you asylum, but they said that if anyone comes looking for you, they would do anything to make sure that, that, that you would not be found. Which house would you seek asylum Definitely in? the first one. Oh, yeah? Yeah, because I could trust the first one. Okay. Whereas the second one, they might be hiding me there for the purpose of turning me in for a reward because they're an untrustworthy person. Because they lie. Yeah. Ah, it's very interesting. That's just the way my brain works. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So you think I'm untrustworthy because I'm lying? I did did tell you I'd put you on the spot this morning. You did. You've done a good job. It came out of question of the day yesterday and it's one of those situations where, you know, I am not the judge Mm -hmm. and I leave, leave this in God's hands. And God can work through, you know, we, we come to God with our human weaknesses and we need to always remember that and remember that God is judge and we need to be able to answer for our decisions before God, whatever those decisions are, um, you, you know. Um, and uh, yeah, But I, I still maintain the view that um, honesty is always the best policy. Amen. In any circumstance, it's uh, dishonesty, never, ever a healthy path to go down. And of course, dishonesty always you know, brings us under the law and we need to come out from being under the law and we need to be under grace. That's what our whole study from right here in Galatians chapter 3, verse 23 is all about. If you have an opinion about this or if you are unsure that you would have lied or told the truth in that little trap that Lyle set for me, maybe give us a call and we can discuss it. Tell us whether or not you would have lied or whether or not you would have told the truth like Corrie Ten Boom's sister. Give us a call 1-800-FAITH-FM, 1-800-324-843. We are now going to have a quick song break. This is Josh Cunningham, Living Water, and we'll be back with the question of the day. If you have a question, also give us a call and Lyle will answer it for you live on air. 1-800-FAITH-FM. I was thirsting for that living water Drinking from a well that don't satisfy When I met a man, his words were like no other He said, draw from a well that'll never run dry He told me everything 
from blindness Spoke to me in words of kindness Gave me to eat of heaven's bread Come follow me, is what he said Called us to his sons and daughters He said I am living water first, no more, and you will thirst, no more. Hi, my name is Aluka. I go to Townsburg Seventh-day Adventist Church. We would love to have you join us on Saturday at 9.30 for Sabbath School Kids Program, and then the main service at 10.45 a.m. For more information, Google Seventh-day Adventist Church, Townsville City. As I kneel before you now 
was Marlita Fong in his presence here on Faith FM. How are we going with our clue? We haven't had anybody answer our question for the for the, quiz? For the quiz, I should say. Okay, I'm going to give my you clues the... and my quizzes back to front you today. Certainly do, yeah. yeah. Well, it is Wednesday Hump Day. It's okay. Let me give you the last clue for the quiz. Mm-hmm. What city am I? At a synagogue in this city, Jesus read, "The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor." Clue two, the people of this city tried to throw Jesus off a cliff. Clue three, God sent Gabriel to this city. Clue four, this is where Mary lived when she found out that she would give birth to the Son of God. And our final clue, clue five, Nathaniel asked if anything good could come from this city. Mm, I was about to give an answer for a couple of local cities, but then I thought, yeah, maybe not. (laughs) (laughs) Let's not offend all of our listeners in those areas this morning. If you think you know the answer, 1-800-FAITH-FM. It was not a city in Australia, even though you think it might be when Nathaniel asked that question, could any good thing come out of it? If you get right, if you get the quiz right, we will send you a copy of America in Prophecy, a wonderful book written by E.G. White. It's all about uh, prophetic times, the end of times, and how America plays a part in that. 1-800-FAITH-FM or text us 0491-064-669. And Lyle, you have the question of the day. Okay, so let me ask you the question of the day then. Didn't the Old Testament punish blasphemy with death? How is this different from radical Islam? Mercy. That's a really good question, don't you think? Yeah, that is a really good question. Let me read it to you from the book of Leviticus. The book of Leviticus Mm -hmm. says in Leviticus chapter 24 and verse 16, He that blasphemes the name of the Lord shall surely be put to death, and all the congregation shall stone him. So there it is, right there in black and white. How is that different? Uh, I don't know. Okay, so let me share with you the system that they had in ancient Israel. They were not living under, um, you know, an Islamic government or a uh, you know a caliphate or you know democracy or republic or any of those kinds of governments that we have today. They were living mm-hmm. under what was called a theocracy. Do you know what that word means? Uh, theo has something to do with God, right? That's right. Yeah. Government by God. And so they had a constitution that God had given to them, they operated under. However, when it came to things like the death penalty, this was where God intervened. Okay. And so whenever, you know, death was to take place, it was always at the command of God. God always, you know, and God would speak through the prophets, he would speak through the high priest, he would speak through the Urim and the Thummim. There were many ways that God would directly speak to the people. And God is the only one who has the right to decide when a person's life can be taken or not. True. And because of that, you know, um, it was actually very, very rare that the death penalty was actually enforced in ancient Israel. In fact, um, the Jewish historians described if there was an execution once in seven years, it was considered to be a bloodbath. Once in seven years. Yes, yeah, so this was something that very, very rarely, uh, you know, that, that God intervened and said, okay, this person is worthy of death. Mm-hmm. And, and somebody actually died as a result of that. Um, but the important thing is that it wasn't human beings who were making the decision. It was God who was making the decision. The theocracy began with the time of Moses and it extended until the Babylonian invasion uh, when they were obviously um, you know, taken captive by uh, Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians. And then they were under Persian rule, and then they were under Roman rule, and now we're under the rule of many different countries around the world. And the, you know, the, it, was part of the, it was part of the secular legislation of the government of Israel that no longer exists and has not existed since the 
Babylonian invasion. Okay, we're going to listen to Sandra Enterman more than anything.
You are listening to Sandra Enderman more than anything here on Faith FM. We have come to that part of the show where we get to give something away and we always love giving something away and our amazing prize for today is called 10 Days. So what are you going to do in 10 days? 10 days, prayers and devotions to experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you have never experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit, or if you want to experience it again, or if you would like to be able to teach others how to experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit, this is the book for you. This book by Dennis Smith. And so the baptism of the Holy Spirit is probably the most important experience that any Christian can have. This is the transforming power of God coming into your life. This is the moment and the place in which you become a partaker of the divine nature, having escaped, as the Bible says, the corruption that is in the world through lust. When we look at our own sinful human nature, we can see how corrupt it is and we can aspire to being united to God's divine nature, feeling His power in your life so that you can live a life like Jesus lived His life, a life of true godliness. So how do we experience this? How do we experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit? How do we make it a part of our life? Well, this book is for you. Just be the first caller through on 1-800-324-843 or text us on 0491-064-669 or simply send us a message on Facebook if you're quick enough and you can be the first person to, to contact us and this book is yours for free. Don't forget that as always, if you would like to know more about the Bible, then get in contact with us because we know people who know people and we can get you in contact with somebody who can help you to understand the Bible better. One-on-one small group, correspondence, online, however you would like to do it, we can make that happen for you. However, at this time, stay tuned. We have more great programming coming up right after this. This is Sons of Korah.
not arise from deceit May my vindication come from you May your eyes see what is right Though you probe my heart And examine me at night Though you test me you will find There is nothing there I've resolved my mouth it Steps have held onto your paths, my feet have not slipped. I call on you, oh God, for you, oh Lord. Answer me, show the